Father, thank you again for your word. It is your living word that keeps us alive, that keeps this earth spinning on its axis. It's your word, Lord, that formed the heavens and the earth. It's your word that changes us from the inside out. And Father, today we approach your holy word and we declare its power over us to change us from the inside out. We submit to your word and we thank you for the mighty Holy Spirit that takes your word and leads us and guides us into all your truth to show us which steps to take to become more and more and more and more like Jesus. Our desire is that the world see Jesus through the body of Christ so that they will know that Jesus was sent from the Father and come into the kingdom. Lord, that is our primary purpose as the body of Christ here on this earth. So illuminate your word to us today. We engage with your word. Just say that with me. I engage with the word of God today in Jesus' name. You can be seated. Thank you. It was a little bit different, but hey, different is good. It's good. We need to be sh sh shook out, shaken out of our tradition. We, we have traditions. Even in these days and these type of churches, we have traditions. And so talking about the mouth and the big fat mouth. And so sometimes our mouth gets us in a lot of trouble. And we, we've got to take control of it, right? Um, I'm going to tell you what I'm not talking about. I'm not talking about today. Well, let me tell you the, 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 the subject matter is criticism. Criticism. Critical, a critical spirit. But I'm not talking about a loving, constructive criticism when someone is open and willing to change and receive that criticism. What I am talking about is that rude, cutting, hurting, hurtful, hateful comments that destroy relationships. That's what we're going to be talking about today. And some of you I know are probably saying, oh, I'm so glad that he's bringing this out so that I can tell my relatives to tune in and I'm going to send this link to them and this week I'm going to take the devotionals and send them out so that everybody needs to hear it and uh, you know but the title of the series is my big fat mouth right so we should focus on our mouth because we all need to hear about our big fat mouth the problem really is with, uh, with a critical spirit is it's difficult to see it in the mirror. A critical spirit is difficult to see in the mirror. You know, we hate it when others criticize us, but we're justified when we criticize others because they deserve it. And I can tell that they are this way and that way and the other way. After all, that's how they're acting and I'm just pointing it out. And, you know, we're so quick to comment on how people dress, what they post on social media, how they drive. If that idiot doesn't get out of my way, I'm going to run him over. That critical spirit can come on the best of us and does come on the best of us, right? 
well, they shouldn't spend that money on vacation. They're posting that all over the internet. They're on, you know, posting that all on Facebook. They don't have the money. I know a little bit about their financial situation. They don't have the money. To get. And look at how they raise their kids. I mean, they just let them do whatever they want. The critical spirit has got to stop with us. We have to judge ourselves, right? That's what we learned last week, and we're still learning to judge ourselves because the very things that we judge others, uh, we, we do. We're living in a time of opinions. If you haven't noticed, there are so many surveys, survey, survey, survey. I want your opinion. I want your opinion. I want your opinion. And so we get to that place where we want to give our opinion all the time. And uh, people say this, that, well, I have a right to my own opinion, don't I? Sure you do. But let me ask you this question. Does your opinion agree with God's word? Because we're taught from his word to think according to his word and to speak according to his word. It's not about our opinion. It's not about what we think. It's about what God's truth says. You know, criticism can be masked in, um, can I ask you a question? Can I ask you a question? Very nice lead in. There's a trap there. Can I ask you this question? Sure, go ahead, ask me this question. Because there's a motive behind that question. What do you think about such and such? When on the other side of that, they're hoping, that person that's asking you the question is hoping that you agree with their criticism. Well, it's my opinion after watching blah, 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 and blah, 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 that blah, blah, blah. Don't you agree? And people pull you into a critical spirit without you even being aware, right? Well, I never thought of that, and now I'm thinking of that. Criticism loves company. People, even in the ministry, can you imagine, have been asking me what I think about the mask issue. What about the masks? Oh, my, the masks. Listen, it's not about the mask. It's about a critical spirit. <laughs> Isn't it just like the enemy? To use a virus, a mask, a political election to get the body of Christ criticizing and judging each other. Isn't it just like the enemy? But thank God there's a greater unity coming. I can sense it. I can hear it. I can see it. We saw it yesterday in, in Washington, D.C. as thousands gathered to pray. And worship, prayer and worship levels the field. We're not arguing doctrine. We're not talking about our opinions. We're lifting up the one who can solve the problems, right? Not debating the problems, not having some symposium to discuss the problems. When we kneel at his feet and we worship him and lift him up, he can work it out in us right? And revival is here. 
It's not just coming, it's here. But it's growing. So how does uh, anything about revival have to do with James and our mouth? I'm, gonna, I'm glad you asked. Look at James chapter 3 and verse 1. Dear brothers and sisters, not many of you should become teachers in the church, to which I heartily agree. A lot of people want to be teachers, but they haven't yet been taught. And here's why. For we who teach will be judged more strictly. Oh, but wait a minute. Wait a minute, Pastor. We teach that God doesn't, he doesn't judge. He judged Jesus, and therefore I don't get judged. Wait a minute. The, the, that's what the truth says, that if you're going to teach the word, you've got to live by the word because you're going to be judged by the word. So that's why we shouldn't be quick to want to tell everybody what we think we know until we know what we should know from the word, right? So that's the lead-in to this statement. If we could control our tongues, we would be perfect <laughs> or mature. The Greek word there is mature. So you'll know if a person is mature by if they can control their tongue. If we could control our tongues, we would be perfect and could also control ourselves in every other way. Man, there's a key to living a successful life right there. If you can get control over your tongue, you can control yourself in every other way. And you can mature. You can be mature if you'll just control your tongue. People look at James 3, verses 7 and 9. Go, skip down to verse 7. People can tame all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and fish, but no one can tame the tongue. And that's true. No human can tame the tongue. But let me just insert this. But the Holy Spirit in you and through you, developing the fruit of the Spirit in you, can tame your tongue. The tongue is restless and evil, full of deadly poison. Sometimes it praises our Lord and Father, and sometimes it curses those who have been made in the image of God. We're seeing a lot of that going on, right? And then it goes on to say, hey, the, the bitter and sweet water shouldn't come out of the same uh, fountain. So we have to learn how to take control of our tongue. We want revival, and we want to operate in God's power, but we shouldn't forget the power is released through our words. And I believe that we must give as much attention to controlling our tongues as stirring up our desire to see revival and see God move in our, in our nation. Boy, that got a lot of amens right there. So everybody's just looking. I believe it's just as important, if not more important, to focus on our tongues because our words either contain life or death. It's as important to control our tongue as it is to seek after and desire spiritual gifts and to see God revive our nation and, and bring in the lost and bring in the harvest. Guys, we have to get control of this. Or think about if God released his power through you and you have a critical spirit, 
who? It could do damage to you and other people. That's what, that's what James says. The tongue can start a fire that can burn down the whole forest. So we, have, we really have to look at this in a mature way. We have to become more self-controlled. And we're living in a day where people don't want to control anything. I'm just going to say, I'm just going to call it like I see it. I'm going to say what I think. Pretty soon you're in the middle of a fire and you're thinking, how did this happen? Well, right there. <laughs> That's how it happened. It's really quiet in here. I, it, we, we, we're going to end. We're going to end better than we are right now, but. We have to feel, listen, there's sometimes that we have to feel the heat. We have to feel the heat. And we have to realize that sometimes we've created our own problems. You can't blame it on the devil. Come on, you can't blame everything on the devil. God has given us authority in the words that we speak. And we would just want to live like we want to live, but then experience God's best and his blessings. And it just doesn't happen. We have to take control of this organ right here called my big fat mouth. Um, turn over to Galatians chapter 5. Listen, relationships are being tested right now. 2020 is the year of testing relationships. Intense challenges bring out or show where the weaknesses are, the holes are. You know, if you've got a, uh, 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 what do you call them, a plumbing system, and there's a hole and there's a drip somewhere, you apply pressure to that system to see where the holes are, right? And so when pressure is applied, you find out where there's a leak. But you don't let it continue to leak, you plug it up. You take care of it, right? You correct those things. And so there's been many calls from many people over the past six months about relationships and their marriage. And so marriage is very important and relationships are very important and learning how to love one another through this tough time. Here's Galatians chapter 5, verse 14. For the whole law can be summed up in this one command. Love your neighbor. Or we, could, we could insert love your wife. Wives love your husband. Uh, parents love your children. As yourself. Love, love other people like you love yourself. In the verse 15, but if you are always biting and devouring one another, watch out. Beware of destroying one another. And so I submit to you that criticism is biting and devouring. It's like taking a knife and stabbing it in people. Every time you criticize them, every time you judge them, criticism leads to judgment and, and is spawned by judgment and ultimately leads to condemnation. I'm condemning that person. They're, you're establishing value, the value of a person, by saying that they're below you, beneath you. They don't know what you know. 
They're not like you. You're better by talking down about people. Criticism is a form of destruction. That's why this verse in Galatians says that we need to be aware that in Galatians chapter 5 talks about sowing and reaping. Because what you do sow, you're eventually going to reap, right? So the way that we criticize is the way that we will be criticized. It's a double-edged sword. Look at Matthew chapter 7. This is the Amplified Classic, A-M-P-C. I was asking myself, how many more English translations or transliterations do we need? Like, really? I'm, I'm confused now. <laughs> what version is this? And now we've got uh, 1.0 and 2.0, amplified this and amplified that, and oh, my goodness, come on. But there's a couple of words in this translation that I like. That's why I'm going to use it. <laughs> <laughs> do not judge and criticize and condemn others. I like how those three words are conjoined there. Judge, judge, judgment leads to criticism. You're judging someone in your heart before you're using words that describe what you think about them. You've already judged them in, their, in your heart. Did you see what she's wearing? <laughs> Just that phrase. Hmm, okay. Did you see what she's wearing? How could she let her children go out without their shoes on? Oh, my goodness. The things that we say, we're judging people in our heart. We're criticizing and condemning. So that, don't do that so that you will not be judged, criticized, and condemned yourselves. For just as you judge and criticize and condemn others, you will be judged and criticized and condemned. And in accordance with the measure that you use to deal out to others, you will be dealt out, it will be dealt out again to you. And you wonder why people are judging you and criticizing you. First, we have to check on ourselves, right? Why do you stare from without at the very small particle that is in your brother's eye, but do not become aware of and consider the beam of timber that is in your own eye? The beam. We've, we've got to be beam pullers instead of spec watchers, right? Judging ourselves, making sure that we're not tearing people down with our words. Criticism is a deadly thing. You know, we tend to criticize in others what we're most insecure about in ourselves. That's how we recognize it. Because it's in us, right? That's why we say, you know, if you're pointing a finger like that, there's three pointing back at you. How can you recognize something another per, in another person unless it already exists in you? We tend to criticize in others what we justify in ourselves. So, the final point of the message here, do you want to be a fault finder or a hope dealer. You want to you want to deal in hope or do you want to continue to find fault? I I really like uh the illustration that we get from the 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 encounter that Jesus had with the woman that was caught in the very act of adultery. 
here she is caught and the Pharisees were around her finding fault with her accusing not accusing but ready to stone her when Jesus the ultimate hope dealer comes on the scene he has hope he is hope and he bends down and he writes on the sand and we know there's many sermons that spawn off of that encounter many points to be made there but as they're finding fault Jesus is finding hope Jesus is dealing in hope are we dealing in hope or are we finding fault Jesus is into restoration are we into restoration Jesus said go your way where are your accusers so he must have said something that was more powerful than the words that they were using because they had the legal right to stone her, right? Hope is always greater than criticism. That's why we need to operate from a position of hope, of encouragement, of strength, of speaking God's word about people, speaking God's word about ourselves. Don't, don't condemn yourself. Don't accuse yourself. Don't join in with the, the, the chorus of the enemy. Look at Proverbs 12, verse 18. Become a hope dealer. Everybody say, I'm a hope dealer. I'm a hope dealer. I'm changing occupations. Proverbs 12, 18 says, some people make cutting remarks. But the words of the wise bring healing. Cutting remarks. My spouse doesn't chew right. Doesn't walk right. Doesn't drive right. Doesn't breathe right. You ever been to that point where everything that your spouse does or everything they do just irritates you? Oh, my. Everybody look forward. Don't, don't <laughs> nudge anybody there. But we've got to change. We've got to change our thinking. We've got to identify that irritation that leads to criticism and back away from it and choose to be wise and use words of healing. Cutting remarks can come from grandparents, grandmothers. Well, why? When, when was the last time that you, you, you call your grandmother to say, hey, I love you? And they say, well, uh, when was the last time that you called me? I've been waiting, you know. I think it's been three months, two days, and four hours. <laughs> Why haven't you called me? Those cutting remarks, even though it may be truth, is not spoken in love, right? Here's the point. I've never met a critical person that I wanted to be like. Have you? And the more you see critical people, the more you distance yourself from them. Ephesians 4.29, New International Version, says this. Don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Boy, that is a scripture we need to write and put on the refrigerator so that we memorize it, right? This scripture requires maturity. 
which means that we, we need to be in a constant state of growth, constantly taking control over our words, constantly taking control over our heart. We have no idea how much criticism can hurt somebody's heart. The critical child or the, the child that's been criticized can grow up and be a failure because of the words of their parents hurting so badly. But then on the other hand, you could have a child that had been adopted by loving parents that saw potential in them and brought them up with affirmation and encouragement and speaking good things over them and totally change, change their life, change their perspective. We have no idea how God might use a single word of encouragement. So we have to know that our words are powerful for building others up, for encouraging others according to their needs, that it brings benefit. You know, when you bring people benefit, they want to be around you. It attracts people when you speak good things about them. And listen, I'm just going to take a little side point. Just, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to dip my toe over here just a second. But when you're criticizing somebody else in front of a person, guess what they're thinking if they're smart? If they're going to talk that way about so-and-so behind their back, they're going to talk that same way about me behind my back. Right? I've never met a critical person that I want to be like. The reasons, there's two top reasons for, for being critical. Number one is pride. That's the top reason for being critical, just having a critical spirit. I'm better. goes back to superiority. I'm better than the one that I'm criticizing. I know better. I do better. I am better. I have more. The second reason, top reason for being critical is insecurity. People are insecure, and because they're insecure about themselves, they point out faults in other people. So people aren't looking at their faults, right? We've all been there, but we don't have to stay there, thank God. Can I get a, a big amen, a good amen? <laughs> Amen. God is dealing with our hearts right now. And it's okay. Just let it sink in. Let it sink in. Lord, thank you for loving us enough to mature us. That's what it's about. A good father brings correction to his children. Because why? Because he wants to see them suffer? No. Because he loves them. Can I just take a, a, just a minute to encourage parents? Parents, it's good when you tell your children no. It's good when you correct them out of love, not out of anger. The Bible talks about that. There's a difference. God's not angry with us, but this morning he's correcting us, right? Why? Because he loves us. Should we say that so that we realize it? Everybody, let's, let's just say, God loves me. Yes, and he created us to be a vessel of blessing. 
And how, how do we become a vessel of blessing? We begin to speak words of life, words of hope, words of encouragement. If we see ourselves like Jesus, if we put ourselves in Jesus' place, are we going to restore that one who's been beaten up by the world? Are we going to take the cause of that one who's been accused and, and about to be stoned? Are we going to fill people with hope or hatred? Well, I just don't agree with, okay, that's fine. Don't agree with it. But why all the talk? Why all the spewing? We've got to grow. We've got to grow. Lord, help us to grow. Romans chapter 15, verse 13. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. We should be so filled with hope that everybody we come in contact with is, is, is boiled over, is affected by hope. We should be injecting people, infusing people with hope. Paul did. He was a hope dealer. And in Romans chapter 8, if you just read that chapter, Romans chapter 8, I'm just going to, I'm not going to read the whole chapter, but Paul talks about there's, there's no condemnation. I'll just read that first verse. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life, has set you free from the law of sin and death. He says, there's no condemnation because you're in Christ Jesus. He also says in chapter 8 that the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. He bears us up. He lifts us up in our weakness. So the strength of God comes into our life. Paul is preaching hope. He's a dealer of hope. Jesus is at the, he, in Romans chapter 8. He says that Jesus is at the right hand of God and you are more than a conqueror because Jesus is at the right hand of God. He talks about the love of Christ. And he says that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither present or future or any powers, neither height or depth or anything else in creation can separate us from the love of God. That's what the world should be hearing coming out of the body of Christ. We've got to be dealers of hope. Full of hope taking hope wherever we go. The world without Jesus has become such a negative, an antagonistic place that we need some hope dealers today. So today we're going to choose to be a hope dealer. We're going to choose to bring peace and joy, to fill people with hope, so that the hope of God and the power of the Holy Spirit will flow through us. 2 Corinthians chapter 13, Paul writes this too, by the Holy Spirit. He writes 2 Corinthians 13, 11 says, I, will, I close my letter with these last words. Be joyful. Grow to maturity. Encourage 
each other. Not complain to each other, right? Encourage each other. Live in harmony and peace. Then the God of love and peace will be with you. That's what we want, right? We want the God of love and peace to be with us. So today, before you leave these premises, I want to encourage you to find somebody that's not your spouse. Now, you need to do that when you get in the car as you're leaving. But I want you to find somebody as we're being dismissed here in a minute. I'm going to give you time to think about this. Find somebody that the Lord will lead you to, to encourage them specifically. You need to know a little bit something about them, something that you appreciate about them, right? Because it, ha- it, it, it must be genuine, must be authentic. To encourage someone, that's why relationships are so important, especially in the days we're living in. We need one another. I need an encouraging word from you. You need encouraging word from me. And so I'm going to charge you to find somebody. We're going to practice it so that it becomes our, our, our nature. So if we do it here, we can do it out in the world, right? Find somebody, encourage them. Tell them specifically, oh, you're so... Don't, don't just say, oh, you're such a good person. No, specifically tell them what you appreciate about them. Philippians 4 says that we need to think on those things that are good and true and lovely. And, you know, true and lovely and a good report. There be any virtue, there be any praise. Think on those things. And if we're thinking on those things constantly, then that's what's going to come out of our mouth. 1 Corinthians 13 says, love thinks the best of others. And I like to put one more step in there. If we're going to think the best about others, we need to say the best about others. I believe that if we put God's word into practice, just what we've heard this morning, it can turn our lives around. It can prepare us for the, the revival that's, that's here, that's coming, that's strengthening. We have to control our mouth. Amen.